0: We'd like to direct our attention to the Scriptures now, this morning. We have three passages to read. Our passage from the Old Testament is from Isaiah chapter 10, verses 5 through 19. This is a prophecy. God speaks to His nation, Israel, about coming judgment, and it's going to be judgment on Israel, it's going to be judgment on the nation He uses to judge them as well, and it's very instructive for us to hear. So, listen here to God's Word. Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff in whose hands is my indignation. I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury and to trample them down like mud in the streets to capture booty and to seize plunder. Yet it does not so intend, nor does it plan so in its heart, but rather it is its purpose to destroy and cut off many nations. For it says, Are not my princes all kings? Is not Kalno like Harchemish and Hemoth like Arpad, or Samaria like Damascus? As my hand has reached to the kingdoms of the idols, whose graven images were greater than those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not do to Jerusalem and her images, just as I have done to Samaria and her idols? So it will be that when the Lord has completed all His work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, He will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart. Of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. For he has said, by the power of my hand and by my wisdom I did this, for I have understanding. And I removed the boundaries of the peoples and plundered their treasures. And like a mighty man I brought down their inhabitants, and my hand reached to the riches of the peoples like a nest. And as one gathers abandoned eggs, I gathered all the earth. And there was not one that flapped its wings or opened its beak or chirped. Is the axe to boast itself over the one who chops with it? Is the saw to exalt itself over the one who wields it? That would be like a club wielding those who lift it, or like a rod lifting him who is not wood. Therefore the Lord, the God of hosts, will send a wasting disease among his stout warriors, and under his glory a fire will be kindled like a burning flame, and the light of Israel will become a fire and his holy one a flame. And it will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in a single day. And he will destroy the glory of his forest and of his fruitful garden, both soul and body. And it will be as when a sick man wastes away. (coughs) And the rest of the trees of his forest will be so small in number that a child could cut them down. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from John, the 19th chapter, the first 11 verses. Jesus is before Pilate. He's already met Pilate and talked with him, and Pilate's asked him some questions. And uh, Pilate said, You don't see anything Jesus is guilty of. Uh, so, but then Pilate goes on and does what he has to do. We pick it up at that point. Listen here again to God's word. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. Think passion of the Christ. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps on the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. (coughs) So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Amen. Then our primary text today is Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. This is a chapter of verse. These verses are very familiar in cultural awareness, but not the actual text where it is. It's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, some people associate that with Notre Dame football. Some people associate it with other things. But the four horsemen of the apocalypse are very familiar. But we're going to read the text today, and then we'll preach about that. Listen here again to God's Word. Again, John's been caught up. He's in heaven, and God's showing him visions. Then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard One of the four living creatures saying with a voice of thunder, come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, "'Come.' And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, "'A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine.' When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, "'Come.' I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, or a pale horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth, to kill with the sword, and with famine, and with pestilence, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Well, Father... We come into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to you today. <clears throat> we ask you to minister to us by your Word and by your Spirit. Help us hear what you say. Help us embrace what you say. Help us be shaped and molded and empowered by what you say. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Savior, the Lord of all. Amen. When our oldest son was in graduate school at the University of Wisconsin, uh, he, the department he was in, they were working on the issue of fusion. Where you try to cause two atoms to fuse together. You know, we've, we know how to break the atom apart. Fission, we can break it apart. Boom, great power. That's what the atomic bomb's based on. But they were trying to figure out how to fuse two atoms together because if fusion happens, uh, all sorts of, there's 100 times more power than if you have fission. And the way they were trying to do it was to try to take a drop of water and let it fall. And when it bursts, to track where every little drop of that water is going every little particle of that drop of water is going to go. What's this trajectory going to be? They, they had all these fantastic measurements they could do, and they never could figure it out. Uh, people have been experimenting on it for decades, they still are, they never could figure it out. And so, when a drop of water drops and hits and busts out, all those little particles look like chaos. No one can tell where's what's going to go where, right? And uh, if they could figure out where that chaos, how that happened, how to control that, things would be a lot better. We'd have a lot more power. Well. By and large, I would suggest that that's how we experience life. a series of bubbles that burst, and we're not sure how or why such should be the case. No rhyme or reason that we can figure out. Now, God addresses this in his vision to John here in Revelation chapter six, uh, via the four horses and four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what he wants to address is this issue of chaos that we see all around us and we can't figure it out, all right? So, the horses. Where do these four horses or horsemen come from? They come from the breaking open of the seals. Uh, The first four seals of the scroll. Well, what scroll? We know what the scroll is, we've gone through this. It's the scroll that that contains the purpose and will of God. And they, they were weeping because it could not be opened. But the Lamb can open those seals, and as He opens the seals, these are the first four things that come out of these four horsemen. Uh, So they'll reveal the plan and purpose of God. To whom is this revealed? To the seven churches to whom He's writing Revelation. They're going to face things in the next four years, they're going to hear about things in the Middle East that are worse than the things we hear there now, and they're going to wonder what in the world is going on, How, how do we understand this? Who else is it addressed to? It's addressed to us, the church down through the ages. Because we go through life and things happen and we don't know what to make of it. How can we understand this? How can the purpose of God be in here? Uh, We live, the church, you and I live in time and space. Real things happen that we cannot comprehend and we don't know how to explain them. Well, why horses and horsemen? Horses are used representationally throughout Scripture. And we need to learn the language of Scripture. So here's Psalm 147. Uh, uh, verse 10, I think it is. Hello, Psalm 147, verse 10. There it is. God does not delight in the strength of a horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. Now, that's called parallelism. That is, a, the, the second half of the sentence recapitulates what's said in the first half. So, horses stand for human strength. It says God doesn't take pleasure in human strength. That's not what He's, he's about. Uh, Psalm 33 verse 17, I think it is, says this, a horse, human strength, is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Do you know that? A horse, a horse is a false hope for victory. Now, uh, Psalm 20 verse 7 says it very clearly. It says, some boast in chariots and some boast in horses, right? Human strength. I oh, am mighty. I can do it. I can do I, I can do this. Oh, oh, oh. But we, who we, the people of God, we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. So do you see the in Scripture that you have this this, this uh, contrast set up between the human strength and God's strength? We say we we trust in God and His strength, not in human strength. All right. Uh, <clears throat> now. Here in Revelation chapter 6, this is not the first time that God has used this image of horses to represent human strength and and that which is bad. So, for instance, in Zechariah chapter 6, he sees uh, God gives Zechariah a vision. Likewise, he says, uh, with the first chariot were red horses, with the second chariot black horses, with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot strong dappled horses— So he's having this vision of what's going to happen, what's going on, and he sees the same vision of horses, four types of horses, all right? They're there. What does he do? He asks a question. What does he say? He says, then I spoke and said to the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? He was like us. He reads Revelation 6. What are these, my Lord? He asked him, what is it? And the angel answers and says this. The angel replied to me, these are the four spirits of heaven going forth after standing before the Lord of all the earth. That is, these things, these horses, are going forth. Now, they don't go forth on their own. They think they do. We'll get to that in a minute, maybe. Um, But they they do that after standing before the Lord of all the earth. So, again, it's human strength, all these different color horses. We'll see what it means in a second. Uh, But they only go forth after standing before the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Now, you can take that down. So these horses of the apocalypse are really horsemen of reality. Uh, they're ongoing factors of human existence. Conquerors, war, pestilence, death. Those things are common fabric of mankind from the beginning to the end. Those four horses of what they represent. Conquerors, war, pestilence, and death. Now, those who sit on those horses vary from ear to ear and from age to age. The white horse with the one sitting upon it, that's not Christ sitting on that. Some people think it is. No, that comes later on, back in chapters 19, in through there, it's 18. Uh, Christ will come on a white horse. But no, this is not. This is, this is, he sits on there, and this could be Constantine. He was a conqueror. It could be Frederick the Great. It could be Napoleon. Here's one for you it's a three-headed figure on the horse it's joseph stalin winston churchill and fdr at the council of yalta right they're the conquerors there they're the winners and they're going forth and then they're going to impose their will so so that's what conquerors are it says this happens all down through the ages it's going to happen in your time you seven churches of revelation the red horse is the one that brings war and bloodshed you know it would be a good good representation there I showed you this statue out in uh, Gettysburg, the Louisiana statue, the spirit of the Confederacy. That's what the spirit of the Confederacy did. It brought death, bring warfare, bloodshed, unimagined on the face of our country right here. So it's those kind of things that go ahead and do this. Uh, The black horse uh, brings pestilence. I think of uh, Maduro down in Venezuela right now. Those people in Venezuela are experiencing pestilence, lack of food, famine, diseases, no medicine, and it's horrible things happening. Now these same things have happened on down through the ages and they certainly happened from 66 to AD 70 when the seven churches are going to hear about all this stuff going on in the Middle East. But for us, we, we know that as well. How about the pale horse? Well, that's the one that has death. They want to kill. I have Isaac Inyang sitting here. We, he would agree with me that that, that Killers would be like Boko Haram. They go around and they just kill. That's what they do. I would say that's what Planned Parenthood is. They take death. They want to do abortions. They want to kill babies. You know, the largest cause of death in the world last year in 2019 was what? Abortion. More people killed by abortion than all the rest of the diseases combined. That's called death. Uh, that's uh, Dr. Kevorkian. Remember him, Dr. Kevorkian? The Hemlock Society. People who are for Uh, euthanasia. Let's just kill you. You know, Rich, you're getting pretty old. There's gray in your beard. Uh, You're not quite what you—we might as well just put about it as misery. It's just going to get worse from here on. Let's just kill you. You know? So, you have this kind of thing. That's how people think. That's what it's saying here. Well, what comes of all this for the people of God? The reason he shows this to, to John, he says, I want you to know that God is working His will even in all these things. They only come forth when the throne tells him to, and only do what he says to do. All right. So here's this example from uh, Exodus chapter fourteen. What does it say? God says, "I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and horsemen." Before anything happens, the the, the Israelites are on the wrong side of the Red Sea <laughs> still, and here comes the, the Pharaoh and his chariot. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? He says, This is what's going to happen. Through those guys, that human strength, I'm going to be honored. So the next chapter shows what? Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider are thrown into the sea. Hallelujah, right? Was it their human strength that did No, it wasn't their human strength. God did it. Uh, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my victory. That's what we need to know in the midst of all these things. Uh, how would we celebrate today? What would we celebrate? I'll give you some examples. How about when Saddam Hussein was taken out of the picture? Did you say, well, hooray. Thank you. We're glad of that. How about when Osama bin Laden got taken care of? He said, hooray, that's good. How about this week when you heard about that Iranian general who's really a terrorist? I said, hooray. I'm glad to know that. So, you take that down. I have to hurry because we're short of time today. So, what's the nature of this authority? All authority comes from God. Each horse is summoned. They don't come on their own will. The, the, the seal has to be broken, and their voice says, Come. So, they're not self-generated in that sense. There is one who stands behind and over all the chaos that we see going on around us, what looks like chaos to us. There's one who stands above, behind, and over all that, who says, come, and directs them. So it's not as chaotic and random as it seems at any point in time. You know, we, we, we sing the songs this morning, and they're wonderful songs, but they're only sung in light of the four horsemen of the apocalypse when we know who stands behind, because we still live in space and time. And we have, we have illnesses, we have sin, we have all these things that confront us. And we need to know that God stands above and beyond all that. So the horsemen though, the horsemen and the horses, they do not know that such is the case. That's why we read the passage from Isaiah. Assyria is the classic example that God shows us and tells us about, so we'll understand. So you have in Isaiah chapter 10, verses five and six says this, what? Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I send it, it doesn't go on its own, I send it against the godless nation. I commission it against the people of my fury. So, we need to understand that. None of these things happen apart from the sovereign will of God. God just says, now the Assyrians were the, were the storm troopers of their day. They were wicked, violent, violent. People, the things they did were horrendous. But God says, they're the rod of my anger. I send them, I commission them, I stand behind the chaos, and it's all right. Doesn't mean there's suffering and pain, all that's gone. Just means it's all right. So what happens? Yet it does not so intend. It doesn't intend to be the rod of God's wrath, nor does it plan so in its heart, but rather its purpose is to destroy and to cut off many nations. It's wicked. See, that's that's the complexity that we have in life. Things happen that are ordained of God, yet there are wicked things. Jesus was crucified at the hands of wicked men according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You know, and ah, you can't make it all fit together except God stands behind and says, that's right. They're doing wickedly, they're, they're wrong to do so, they're going to be judged for that, and they're doing God's will, according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. That's beyond us. We have to say, okay, I believe that. <laughs> okay, I accept that. But we can't work it out mathematically. Now then, uh, Jesus knows this about authority and about the horsemen. Jesus, who is truly human as well as truly God, he acts on it. So here's the challenge from John we just read. So Pilate said to Jesus, you don't speak to me? What's wrong with you? Don't you know? I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you. You better be nice to me. You better answer when I talk to you. Jesus says this. You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. That's the response of faith. It says, I believe God. Now, Jesus is going through and will go through even more horrific things that he receives from the hand of God. Through the hands of wicked men. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane he brings, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Okay? He understood. Now, we have things like it. We wish it were all rose petals and uh, golden streets in our lives, but it's not. I look out across the congregation, and I can see things. I know your situations. It's not all rose petals and golden streets. There's a lot of stirring and drang things going on, and yet we know God stands behind it, and He makes it all right. You can take that down. Uh, These four horses and horsemen are constants throughout history. They're always there. They are the reality that human beings experience. How do we stand and live and walk that out in real life? I'd like to give you a good example. Uh, would be our Civil War. How in the world did our Civil War happen? And more Americans were killed in our Civil War than any other war we've had. I think, even maybe more than all combined, I'm not sure about that, close. On March the 4th, 1865, Abraham Lincoln gave his second inaugural address. <clears throat> For four years, he'd been trying to figure out what is God doing. Now, Lincoln, we don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he was a deeply philosophical, thoughtful man. He wrestled with it. I mean, he knew that, you know, the reason the Civil War continued on was because of him. All he had to do was accept the South, say, all right, you can go go in peace. God bless you. And the war would have been over. He refused that. There was significant opposition here in the North saying, Lincoln, let's don't keep on doing this. People are dying. He said, no, we're going to do this. He was a conqueror, and that's on our white horse. So on the uh, March 4, 1865, 41 days before he'd be assassinated, after four years of deep reflection and heartfelt anguish, Over the events which he sustained, he reached a conclusion. Here's what it is. Listen to these words. They're gonna be projected here. Neither party expected for the war the magnitude or the duration which it has already attained. Neither north nor south expected it to go on for four years and all this stuff would happen. Go ahead, what's next? Both sides read the same Bible or read the same Bible, pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid, God's aid, against the other. Boy, talk about a confused mess. Confused. What if you have family on the other side? Next he says what? The prayers of both could not be answered, the prayers of neither has been answered fully. The Almighty has His own purposes. He quotes from Scripture. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. <coughs> he, you see what he's said. He's dealing with that, that whole, what I said, this, this contradiction. How do we understand these things? Lincoln's wrestling with that, and he's a prime mover in making that all happen. He says, I don't know. I don't understand. But woe to the world because of offenses. Something's happened. He goes on and concludes this way. Finally, do we hope. Fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war, he knew what it was. it was, it was the last two horses, you know, it was scourge, pestilence, and there was death. This scourge of war, fervently do we pray that this scourge of war may speedily pass away, yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, As was said 3,000 years ago, notice he doesn't say 2,000 years ago, it's interesting. It doesn't say 4,000, it says 3,000, so it goes back to the time of David, and he's going to quote from Psalm 19. So still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We need similar sentiments. They are stimulated. remembering the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They come forth at the bidding of God. We don't necessarily understand what's all going on, and they bring horrific consequences to the inhabitants of the earth, to us. But we need to know there is one who stands behind, above, and over all of that, and is working His good will. They are indeed horsemen of reality, amen.